Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 107 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about how a blizzard can remind us of our victory in Christ Jesus. Let's dive in. I don't know about you, but weather to me is absolutely, well, <laughs> crazy. And this is probably true about everywhere, but where I live in Colorado, it just seems like the weather shifts and changes so quickly. It's just crazy. For example, yesterday was absolutely beautiful. It was in the it was like low 60s. It was gorgeous. The sun was shining. People were happy. There were people <laughs> driving down the road with their windows open. People were wearing shorts. And it was interesting that by mid-afternoon, we were not focused so much on how great the day was. And this is the first great day we've had in a long time. We were all talking about this coming blizzard that is supposed to show up today. And of course, you know, the school started to close and the Denver airport started canceling flights. And here it is, it's, it's in the it's, it's low 60s. And yet we're all focused on this coming doom that is approaching. And oh no, how are we going to make it? And how are we going to survive? And uh, all the grocery stores were just packed full of people because, you know, uh, what, what will happen if there's a blizzard and we're stuck for a day? And so <laughs> I just started kind of chuckling yesterday afternoon, realizing here is this absolutely beautiful day. And most people are not enjoying the beauty and the delight of the day. We're so consumed and focused on, oh no, a blizzard is coming. Now, in all fairness, they do say that this is probably going to be the worst storm we've had all season and potentially in a couple of seasons. So it sounds like it's going to be quite a doozy. So personally, I'm planning to stay at home all day today and get some work done, just work from home and have a lovely cup of tea and just, uh, you know, just enjoy enjoy this crazy weather that we're supposed to be having. In fact, even as I'm talking, the wind is blowing pretty hard and the snow is coming and it's, all, it's pretty crazy. But that got me to thinking about this idea of, isn't it amazing how quick the weather changes? Yesterday it was in the you know, low 60s and it was beautiful and suddenly less than a day later, here it is, it's freezing cold, the wind is blowing and there is snow everywhere. Now I realize that this is a bad comparison but there's an interesting connection between just that idea and a Christian life. And that got me thinking about the life of David. 
you realize that is the life of David. That here is this great king. Here's a man after God's own heart. Here is a man who's in tune with the Father. And he's just, oh, he has such rich intimacy with the Lord. And yet, so quickly we see a downfall in his life. Now, at some future podcast, I'm going to walk through the downfall of David. I really love just the, the study of David and Bathsheba because the thing, it, it, it presses and it encourages and it convicts our lives as believers and how we are to live. Or maybe I should say not live. <laughs> but when you look at the life of David, there was a quick, sudden shift. And perhaps, again, this is a bad comparison, but it's like David's life was going from this blissful 60-degree weather to this frigid, cold blizzard. And it's like, whoa, 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 something just happened. Why, why was there such a shift? And you realize in our lives, we are just as vulnerable that we, you know, we can look at these great leaders of today and just say, well, you know, I can't believe that they would have fallen like that and they weren't on guard. And But you recognize that our lives are just as vulnerable. Look back at David's life. I love 1 Kings 15.5. It kind of gives a summary of David's life. And 1 Kings 15.5 says this, David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of of his life. Now, I'm not finishing the verse yet, <laughs> but listen to what it's saying. The writer of 1 Kings is looking back upon the life of David, and he says, Do not recognize that David always did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, David wasn't turning within himself. He wasn't coming from his own perspective saying, Oh, how am I going to view this situation? How am I going to look at my circumstance and, and, and my and the stuff that's swirling around me? Well, how did David live? Well, David lived constantly from the perspective and the mind of the Lord. That every time he would come to a scenario, every time that he would face an enemy troop, every time that David was under some circumstance, he did not see the circumstance from his own perspective. Rather, he saw it from the perspective of God. Now, that to me is amazing. And of course, that is a great picture of how a Christian is to live, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we are not to see our life and we're not to see our trials or our hardships or difficulties or our circumstance from our own perspective. Rather, we are to have his perspective. And what does he want to do in the middle of all this? And I've said this before on the podcast, but what if a flat tire isn't just a flat tire? See, what if God is wanting to do and accomplish something in the midst of your flat tire? What if there's a greater purpose and it's not like, oh, bummer, what a horrible day, I got a flat tire. What if we could view the flat tire from God's perspective and say, maybe God has something in the middle of this. Maybe he's preserving my life from something that I would have, you know, something would have happened, you know, had I not had a flat tire. Or maybe there's a opportunity in the midst of the flat tire that he wants me in the middle of. Maybe there is an evangelistic opportunity with the guys down at the tire shop. Maybe God is going to do something in the midst of my flat tire. Now, I'm not saying that God caused the flat tire, but he can use the flat tire for his purposes because we know all things work together for good for those who love and are called according to his purpose. That whole idea of Romans 8.28. So, you begin to recognize that David never lived out of his own resource. David didn't live out of his own perspective. He lived out of the mind and the heart and the perspective of God. And it says he did not turn aside from anything that God commanded him all the days of his life. 
that he was always obedient. He was always just living a life of response and dependency upon God. Now, that is an amazing declaration and a picture of what the Christian life is to look like. But that's not where the verse ends. But the verse concludes by saying, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Now, obviously, he's speaking about Bathsheba, the whole thing with Bathsheba and Uriah being the husband. So get the tone of 1 Kings 15.5. The writer is saying, do you not recognize that David was constantly living from the perspective of God, that he did not turn aside, neither to the right nor the left, in anything that God commanded him. He was constantly living a life of obedience and surrender and dependency, that he was abiding in the life of his God. Well, except for this one little area. See, there was this one time in this matter of Uriah the Hittite where David turned within himself. He saw the situation from his own perspective and he did what he thought was right in his own eyes. Now, you need to see the contrast here that there is a vast difference between what we deem is right and what we think in our own perspective is correct and the perspective of the Lord. Now, sometimes they are connected But more often than not, and I'm sure you've had this experience where you're doing something in life and you kind of like hit your forehead going, oh no, I thought this was absolutely correct and I found out this to be absolutely wrong. What if you didn't have to live that way? What if we could live from the perspective of our Lord all the time? And in the sad commentary on the life of David, yes, he was obedient and yes, he he was always thinking and seeing things from the perspective of God. But there's this one time where he turned within himself, saw saw his circumstance and saw what was going on around him from his own resource, his own wisdom, his own perspective, and it caused a downfall of such heightened degree. Now, I say all that to remind us that we cannot take sin lightly. And so many times I hear people say, well, it was just one time. It was, it was just one little tiny sin. It's not that big of a deal. It's just one little lie. It's just one little look. Oh, it was just one little thing. But you realize it only takes the one. That with God, one little tiny white lie is just as extravagant. And it is enough to send us to hell for eternity. That, that we are not to play with sin. That we are not to... Just be like, well, it's not that big of a deal. That sin is absolutely serious in the mindset of our God. And anytime we start, you know, kind of explaining away our sin by saying, well, it's just one time. It wasn't that big of a deal. It it didn't affect anybody. That's not true. Because if no one else, it's affecting us. But we do need to remember that you cannot sin in a vacuum. That even if it only destroys you, that still infiltrates your environment and it produces unrighteousness in your world. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. That sin will take you by the, by the hand or by the throat and lead you out into your world and produce unrighteousness. And you may justify it under this banner of saying, well, it's not hurting anybody. It's not affecting anybody. But the reality is it's still producing unrighteousness in your world, which is affecting the world. And David could have said, well, I, I always obeyed the Lord. I always did what was right in his, his eyesight. Hey, I never turned aside. Well, there was this one little time. But you see, that, that one little time 
destroyed David's life and it and it literally caused the downfall of not only the murder of Uriah and, and the adultery of Bathsheba, but as you trace this through, it continued to lead to deaths of people and a destruction of his family. And I think you could even point to the destruction and the dividing of the of the kingdom to this scene. That that, that this isn't just some well, well, it's just one little sin. That this was this was extreme, folks. I love what A.B. Simpson said about this whole thing about David and Bathsheba. He said, it is frightful to see how speedily and how utterly the sensitive spiritual nature of this man of God was paralyzed and petrified by one brief hour of sin. That here is this righteous, holy man of God. And in one brief hour of sin, the sensitive spiritual nature of this man called David He was paralyzed, he was petrified, and you realize he was closed off to the things of God for at least nine months, biblically. And some scholars even say up to two years. That there were no psalms being written. There was no intimacy with his Lord. Why? Because of this tragedy. Now you could look at that and say, wow, how quickly he fell. Yeah, exactly right. But here's the whole point of what I'm saying. The same thing is true about us, that, that we are not immune to sin, that you and I are just as frail and prone to have destruction produced in our life. Now, that is a scary thought. I think it was Charles Wesley who said, one moment without Jesus, and I can quickly become a devil again. <laughs> that is such a true statement, that the moment we lose our fixation, our focus on Jesus Christ. The moment that we turn our gaze upon sin, it is only a matter of time before we give into it. And we are not to trifle with sin. I think I mentioned this before on the podcast, but one of Hudson Taylor's kind of guys who worked with Hudson Taylor, his name was John Stamm, and he wrote this declaration of these seven steps upward and seven steps downward. And if you want to see those, I'll put those in the show notes for this episode. But what John Stam said was, is this idea that if you want to progress in your intimacy and, and relationship with God, well, the first step into heading toward greater intimacy and oneness with Jesus is you have to begin to take sin seriously. He said, but the first step downward, hey, if you want to, if you want to roll into utter destruction, hey, if you want to go into the very pits of hell in your life, the very first step downward into that direction is you begin to take sin lightly, that you begin to trifle with sin. You begin to just play with sin. And the moment you just take sin lightly in your life, it is a slippery slope downward. And of course, you can look at just the world around us and see that to be true. Now, if you're sitting there going, well, this, hey, that, that might be true for some people, but hey, I'm hey, I'm immune to all this. That, that Hey, sin can't touch me. Now, that is true in the reality that as long as I am in Christ, sin can't touch me. Praise the Lord. But just as a reminder, Proverbs 16 verse 18 tells us, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. In other words, the moment I say, well, I don't have a problem, or hey, I'll never fall, or I'll never have a sin issue, or I'll never, hey, there, there's, hey, I'm on a dangerous precipice of falling because I am not to allow pride and selfishness to have any hold of my life. That humility, I have to have humility to hold tight to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, you've got to save me. Thank you for saving me, 
But at this moment, I need salvation. And he is to be our savior every moment of every single day. Now, this is not a, oh no, woe is us kind of a message. And this is not, hey, you've got to live in sin for the rest of your life. That's not the reality of what I'm saying. In fact, read 1 John. 1 John is so triumphant. Hey, you do not have to live under the tyranny of sin. Hey, you do not have to live with a thumb in your back called sin. Or if you want to read chapters 6 and chapters 8 of Romans, they are some of the most triumphant chapters in all of Scripture. And it's this idea that, hey, you, your position is in Christ Jesus. And while you are in Christ Jesus, sin actually has no sway or authority in your life. But the key is you've got to remain there. Because as Romans 6 tells us, hey, you can yield yourself unto sin. And yes, sin can't touch you as long as you're in Christ Jesus. But the moment my gaze gets goes upon sin and I put a noose around my own neck and hand the other end to sin, sin is going to lead me away and cause destruction. But hey, I'm in Christ and I don't have to live under the tyranny of sin anymore. In fact, Romans 8, 37 says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And what's a conqueror? Well, it's Napoleon Bonaparte or Alexander the Great, that these are great conquerors of the world. And yet Paul says that in Christ Jesus, we are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. So no matter what the enemy throws at us or no no matter what temptation besieges us, you recognize that as long as I remain in Christ, I am more than a conqueror and I can be victorious, which is such great news. But let us not forget that we are still vulnerable this side of heaven, that, hey, we are still human and therefore we are prone to destruction, that we are prone to sin, which is such a, I hate that reality. And yet while I hate it, It does make me hold tighter to Jesus, which means it's actually a good thing. As long as I'm holding tight to Jesus Christ and temptation shows up, you realize that if temptation gets between me and Jesus, there's a problem and it's going to pull us apart and I'm going to give in a sin. But if I'm holding tight to Jesus Christ and temptation shows up and it's pushing on my life, it's only pushing me toward Jesus as long as there's no space between me and Jesus which means I've got to go after Jesus. I've got to hold tight to Jesus. I've got to pursue him and aggressively go after him and not allow anything to come between us. And when that begins to happen, then temptation merely presses me unto him all the more. And I start to cry out, Lord, I'm in the middle of this temptation. Look at what's happening. You are my savior. You are my salvation. And you're going to have to deal with this. And we are reminded in the New Testament that, hey, he's not going to let you be tempted more than you can bear. In other words, You're not going to face a temptation that you can't win, that you can always win. Every temptation that besails you. Why? Because you have Jesus, that Jesus is in you and you are in Christ. And in that reality, you are more than a conqueror. But let me remind you that it could be 60 degrees and sunny and, you know, windows are down and you're wearing shorts. But outside, hey, the moment I don't hold tight to Jesus, the moment I become distracted, hey, I become a devil again. There is a quick blizzard that can happen in my life, and there's a quick downfall in my life. And you can look at that and say, wow, that's so crazy, the, the, the sharp contrast between the two. 
Yes, which means I cannot let go of Jesus. And I think this is why we're reminded over and over and over and over throughout the New Testament to watch, to stand fast, to be on guard, to be ready. That, that you are in a spiritual war and the enemy is out to take you down. As 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That here is this lion. He is roaring. He is hungry. He is, I mean, he just wants to take you down and he is looking for an opportunity. But you realize he cannot touch you as long as you are in a fortress called Jesus. But the moment you say, well, I can trifle with sin a little bit. Well, you know what? I just want to, I just want to see what it's like. And the moment I come out of the fortress called Jesus and I begin to walk in the savannah, you realize the lion is going to take me down. So Peter tells us, be sober, be vigilant, be on guard. Hey, be awake. And that idea of soberness there, by the way, doesn't mean just don't be drunk, though that's obviously contained in that idea. But the idea is, hey, be sharp, be focused. Hey, that, the same thing that what alcohol will do to your mind, where, where you become fuzzy and you can't think straight and you're inebriated and you're just kind of walking around in a stupor. Peter says, don't live like that, whether it's alcohol or just how you live. There's times where you can walk into a movie and you come out and you're like in this, you're in a drunken state. You're just like, okay, who am I and where am I at and what's going on? And it's, it's like you're in this fog or a haze. Well, don't watch those kind of movies then. Why? Because we are to be sober and vigilant and constantly on guard. Why? Because I'm in a spiritual battle and the enemy is trying to take me down. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, watch, stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. I, I love what the King James says. It says, quit yourselves like men. In other words, be men. Rise up. Be brave. Be focused. Come on. Watch. Stand fast. Be strong. Why? Because we are in a battle. And the Lord does not want us to go from 60 degrees sunny to blizzard in our souls. That we are to have, well, it should be 70 degrees technically because 70 sounds so much better than 60 but when you've been living in like single digits, 60 sounds amazing. But, you know, here you are in the 60 degrees, 70 degrees, perfect weather. Your soul is not to suddenly go, oh no, a blizzard. No, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And you can be victorious. You can walk triumphant in him. But we must be on guard. And hey, if if Adam and Eve in, in the midst of perfection, could sin. Hey, if David, this righteous man who always did what was right in the eyes of his God could have a sudden downfall, let us not presume that we are not susceptible to sin. So let us remain on guard. Let us be vigilant. Let us be focused and let's fight this good fight of faith. And let us not be prideful and arrogant to think that the enemy can't touch us. Rather, let us hold tight to Jesus Christ Rather, let us embrace him all the tighter and say, Jesus, I need you for life and for godliness. In fact, you are all that I need for life and for godliness. And you have supplied all I need for life and for godliness. And let me remain in that reality. So may I encourage you, would you embrace Jesus all the more today? And would you not allow there to be a, an open window or an open door in your soul that allows a blizzard in? Hey, do not allow your fortress to become unfortified. 
Do not allow yourself to come out of the fortress called Jesus and be swallowed up by this lion who is roaring and looking for a way to devour you. Realize that you are more than a conqueror. You can walk in triumph and victory and hope and freedom and peace as long as you remain in Jesus. We have got to hold tight to him. We've got to embrace him. We've got to seek after him and obsess after him more and not remove our focus from Jesus Christ. Because the moment we remove our focus, whatever we focus on grows bigger and stronger in our life. Which means if I remove my gaze off of Jesus and put it upon some temptation, it's only a matter of time before I give in a sin. So let us not do this in our strength. Let us not do this in our own resource. Rather, in humility, could we come before the Lord and say, Jesus, I want to hold fast to you. I want to focus upon you. And you're going to have to help me in this process because I am inadequate in and of my own ability. But in you, I am more than a conqueror. Oh, what an amazing reality. So as John Stam says, do not take sin lightly in your life. Rather, begin to take it seriously and begin to move forward in this greater relationship, intimacy, and oneness with our living God. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of those seven steps upward and seven steps downward from John Stam, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 107 for episode number 107. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around this fortress, this high tower, our salvation, Jesus Christ.